We're continuing our series called Discovering God. And you know, in this series, what we're doing is we're going through everyday encounters that uh, Jesus had with people. And hopefully as we do that, and as we, just, as we look at Jesus' life, I'm wanting us to discover God. You know, it's so important uh, how you think about God what your perspective is of God, because how you think about him and what your perspective is, it kind of is how it determines your relationship that you're going to have with him. How many is looking for a deeper relationship? So many think of God that he's distant and he's not present, and he really doesn't know where I'm at or how I'm feeling or what I'm going through. We look at him like, well, he's God. He's never had a problem. He's never had difficult times, and, and we're like, he's God, right? I'm like, well, I don't think so. But many also think of God as maybe harsh or angry. Maybe you had a father that was very tough on you and, and angry and had a strong demeanor. And you've kind of put that out on God. And you think, man, he's unapproachable. He's just a cranky, upset person. And I'm going to say that's not God either. So if you want to know, if you ever say, what's God like? If you ever want to know what is God like? What's creator God like? The God that created the heavens and the earth. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you read the red, that means that that stuff happened to Jesus, and Jesus was the one in those stories, or he was the one talking. If you read the red, you're going to discover, you're going to discover God because Jesus is God. Jesus was a 100% replica of God. And Jesus even said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So that's why we're going through these um, stories about Jesus. And what I want you to do as I read this story is I want you to look at it and, and ask yourself, what was Jesus like? What was Jesus like? What can I see who Jesus was? So let's read this story about a leper in Mark chapter 1. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus. Notice it was in front. Last week, the woman came in from behind him. But uh, he knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. And he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion. I want you to remember that, that's, that, that phrase there, moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him, and he said this, I want you to underline this. I am willing. Everybody say, I am willing. I am willing. Jesus said, I am willing. Be healed. And the Bible says instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. I like this. In fact, if you read uh, every time Jesus healed people in the Bible, he always told them this. I mean, if you, I, I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, just in the, in the past few months. But if you look, Jesus always said this after he healed somebody. He said, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone about this. Shh, don't tell anyone. But go and off, let the priest examine you. Take along the offering required by the law of Moses, for you've been healed of this leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you've been but that you've been cleanse. But uh, Jesus is kind of like some of our teenagers. Uh, this leper was like some of our teenagers. It says, but the man went out and spread the word, proclaiming everywhere what had happened. As a result, large crowds began to surround Jesus. And the big and the reason he said, hey, don't tell anybody because it made it where he publicly couldn't go into town anymore because he was like the rock star and nobody could get close to him. He had to stay out in secluded places. So let's look today at this story. 
And as we read it, things might have popped out to you, but what can we discover about Jesus that we can see in God? Well, the first thing is this. If you have your notes, you can look at, you can look at them. Um, they're on your app under Church on the Rock Huntley. Church on the Rock Huntley, if you download that app on your phone, you can have the notes. But one is Jesus was compassionate. Jesus was compassionate. Jesus cared. He was compassionate. He could feel. The Bible says a man with leprosy came up and knelt in front of him, and he was begging to be healed. Well, in the Greek, uh, this leper where it says he knelt, this word implies that he didn't just kneel. He actually reached out and grabbed him and like grabbed a hold of his feet and was like hanging on to his feet. He ran up, felt his feet, and grabbed on his feet. Now, I want you to understand something. Leprosy was contagious. Leprosy was tremendously contagious. Everywhere that lepers went, they couldn't even go into towns. They had to, when they entered into the town, they had to say, unclean, unclean. And you would see people just split up and, and, and just get out of the way. Think about this. This leper, he didn't get to live with his family. How many take it for granted we get to go home to our family? This leper couldn't hug his wife. Uh, he, he couldn't go to his kids' ball games. He didn't get to go to work and punch a clock. He couldn't have a job. This leper lived in a leper colony outside the camp. And when he came to town, everybody just scattered because he was saying, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Man, how, how would that make you feel? To walk into church and say, hey guys, everybody just spread. Get away from me. I'm unclean. There's something wrong with me. I'm messed up. And if you get around me, what I have, you're going to get too. I want you to think about that not only in a physical way, but I want you to think about that in a life way, in a spiritual way. Because many come into church week after week thinking that they're unclean and that everybody's running from them and that Jesus is running from you and that He doesn't want anything to do with you. The, but the leper runs up to Jesus, falls, out his, falls at His feet. But the first thing I want you to notice about Jesus because this is what I want you to discover about God, is Jesus' response was not, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Would you ew, get away from me? Don't grab my feet. Come on, back off a little bit. You're supposed to be unclean. You're not supposed to do that. And the reason in the Old Testament, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that it says that if the unclean, talking about leprosy, if the unclean touches the clean, it makes the clean unclean. So do we understand that? When the unclean touched the clean, it made the clean unclean. But we see that that didn't stop Jesus. In fact, Jesus, this guy was not only grabbing Jesus' feet, Jesus reached out and touched him. I mean, we're talking about some people that's been through COVID. Stay six feet away from me and keep your mask on and don't touch me, don't hug me. Uh, leprosy was a lot worse than COVID, let me tell you. And Jesus, not they, he wasn't only grabbing his feet. Jesus reached out and him and touched him because G, why? Why was that so important? Because I want you to get this: when the unclean touches the clean, when the when the clean touches the unclean, the unclean is made clean. I want to say that again: when the unclean touches Jesus, the clean. The unclean becomes, everybody say clean. So it doesn't matter how yourself. 
It doesn't matter all the list of sins and all the do's and don'ts and all the mistakes you made and all the shame you might walk in and all the guilt you might walk in. You may want to run from the presence of God because you think you're unclean and you think you're unworthy and you think Jesus doesn't want anything to do with you. He not only wants to have something to do with you, he reaches out and grabs you. He grabs you. And I'm telling you, no matter what condition you are today, if you feel unclean when you touch the clean, I'll tell you that unclean goes and you become clean and revived and new again. Hallelujah. I'm telling you that God is powerful. So that's the way Jesus is. That's just the way He is. We need to understand that. This story teaches us that Jesus had compassion on hurting people. Man, I, I don't know what it is about me, but when I see someone sick or, or I see something wrong, sometimes I just tear up. And, 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 and I know that, that, that the Bible says these things and greater things you shall do. You'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And, and guys, there's not... I've prayed for a lot of people in 33 years. And, and, and if we're not careful, we'll get to where we're like afraid to pray for people wondering if Jesus is willing. But man, Jesus was moved with compassion. His compassion moved Him. He cared about hurting people. He embraced them. He didn't push them away. You know, doctors say the closest thing we have in society to, to compare to leprosy is, is elephantiasis. Elephantiasis. And what this is, is it begins by taking distorted looks, at, looks as the flesh begins to, to rot away. In severe cases of leprosy, appendages would literally just fall off. A finger or, an, or a hand, it would just start rotting away, and eventually it would just fall off. But the, but the person would just keep on living because the body would adapt to it. The blood would continue circulating through the body and through these living parts, so they just kind of lived with it. The body parts of the blood didn't circulate through certain parts of, of the body, so it would just fall off. It would just start rotting away. They say that this was the most painful disease physically literally unbearable the people had to suffer so bad and it wasn't only a, a, a leprosy that was going to bring death it was a slow death but you think about some of those things and you, and you think about the characteristics a person would just uh, about how how appendages this part that says a person would just keep on living because the body would adapt to it how many of you are rotting away in certain areas of your life. And you feel like it's dying and it's rotting away and things are just falling off and things aren't going well. But you just keep adapting. And you just keep surviving. And you just keep trying to go on. I want you to think of it in a physical and a spiritual sense too. And then, so that talked about the physical pain. But think about the emotional pain. And I'll tell you what, when we talk about people needing healing, to me, emotional healing is can be stronger than people that need physical healing. Emotional healing is so important. Think about the emotional healing this guy needed. Everywhere he went, everybody cried out, unclean, get away from me. How would that do to your self-image and how you feel about yourself? He couldn't be with his family. We talked about he couldn't even hug his kids or go to their ball game or live. He had to live outside the camp. Everybody rejected these people. You know, society not only rejected them, they pointed at him and said, you're judged of God. 
This is a judgment of God. Think about if you were a child of a leper and you went to school and everybody would make fun of you and say, man, you're of the leper family. You're judged of God. So there was deep emotional pain. So Jesus not only dealt with the physical pain, He dealt with the emotional pain. And that's why in the Scripture it says that Jesus told Him after He was healed to go show yourself healed to Moses and let them say, hey, yeah, this guy's been healed. And the reason Jesus did that is so He could get on with His life. That people could say, hey, He, was, he has been ceremonially said that He has been healed so He could be healed of that emotional stuff. But I want you to know that Jesus is here for the hurting people. He's here for the hurting people. He has compassion. He knows how you feel, and He wants to help you. Um, if you look up on the screen, I've got three Scriptures I want you to look at. The first one is Philippians 2, 6-7. And as you're looking at that, it says this, Though He was God, meaning Jesus was God, He did not think of Himself as equal is equality with God as something to cling to. In other words, he knew he was God, but he didn't cling to that. He didn't come to earth saying, hey, everybody, I'm God. Instead, Jesus, think about this. When Jesus came to earth, he gave up his divine privileges. He gave up his God likeness. And he took on the humble position of a slave. He took on the humble position of a slave and was born. Look at this. He was born as a human being. And he appeared in human form. Now you say, why did he do that? Why did God give up being God? Why was he born of a woman? Why was he born under the law? He was born of a woman and he was born under the law so that he could know what a human feels. He knows every emotion you have. He knows pains in the body that you have. He knows relational issues. He, he, he knows because He came. Hey, He gave up God and said, I don't want to be a God that's up here that can't feel and that can't touch and that can't understand you. Can you see the coldness of that kind of a relationship? But He said, what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to leave heaven and I'm going to give up my divineness. I'm going to give up my divine privileges. And I'm going to come and I'm going to live and I'm going to feel just like you feel. That's powerful to me. When you're discovering God, when you approach Him, I want you to always say this. He has been, everybody say this, in my skin. Say in my skin. He's been in your skin. He's been in your skin. So this high priest, this Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews 4 that He understands our weaknesses. For he faced the same thing that we do, yet he didn't sin. I mean, that's good. We got a role model. We got somebody we can look to for help. So because he understands our weaknesses, it says, let's come boldly to the throne of grace. Do any of you ever feel kind of ashamed and you, you just don't want to run to God because you see what you are? The Bible says, come boldly to this throne of grace. Because there's lots that you can receive mercy and that you'll find grace in this time of need. Look at this Hebrews 2, 17 and 18. Look at this one. It says, it was necessary for him, everybody say Jesus, to be made in every respect like us. Like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be a merciful and a faithful high priest. 
See, I want this to change your view of God. Is He critical? Is He demanding? Is He angry? Is He harsh? Is He judgmental? Is He like frustrated with you? Like, come on, man. Get it together. What's up with you? Three years, same thing? Is He like that? From what we're showing you right here, how many say He is like what I just said? He is not like that. He's, he, he is a merciful and he's a faithful high priest. He came to take away the sins of, his, of the people since he himself got, went through the same suffering and, and testing. He is able to help us when we are going through something. Anybody out there say amen. So we learn the first thing that Jesus is compassionate. The second thing that the leper learned is Jesus is willing to help. He said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with his compassion, stretched out. He said, I am willing, I am willing, be thou clean. Uh, Jesus, if you're willing. To me, some of us, me and Brian, we got to get over some distorted thinking about how we think God thinks about us. And we got we to gotta deal with some of our distorted thinking where we say this, is he really willing is he really willing to save me? Is he really willing to deliver me? Is he really willing to heal me? Does he really want me to prosper? Does he really want this? Because our minds will say, eh, I don't think so. Ah, you're too far. Well, maybe if you'd straighten up, he would. Or maybe if you'd quit a lot of that stupid you're doing. Or, or maybe you've done, if you would just quit doing so much Maybe, maybe, maybe. See our distorted thinking. And then some of us will be like, man, I deserve it. I, I deserve this torment. I deserve this pain. I deserve to feel the way like, like I do. So many of us sabotage our futures because we have a false look at who Jesus is, thinking that we got to pay for it. There's even things in my life that I, I still sabotage my future because I think I got to pay for this. And then if something happens, if something happens in my life um, of a mistake or something I've done wrong, and then something kind of does happen in the physical, then my mind's already, see, I told you, I told you, you're never going to get to move on. You're never going to get to move on from that bad relationship. You're never going to get to move on from that mistake. You're never going to get to move on. And you just get to the point where you're starting to move on and then something will happen, and then that distorted, see, I told you so. I told you. You got to pay for this. I want to tell you the next time the enemy tells you you got to pay for it, say, no, I don't have to pay for it, because he's, the Scripture says the chastisement for my peace was upon his back, and by his stripes I am healed. I'm healed. Jesus was beaten so you don't have to be beaten. Jesus was stripped and humiliated and shamed so you don't have to walk away stripped, humiliated, and in shame all the time. He was whipped. He was beaten so you must, we must stop beating ourselves up. He's a compassionate God and He's willing to take our mistakes and give us a new day. Give us a new start. Give us a new beginning. I'm telling you, there's hope today to those you know, I've tried over and over. I can't get my stuff together. Keep trying. Keep believing. God's with you. I love the scripture in Hebrews that says, He has already perfected you forever. 
He's already perfected you while you are being sanctified. I think it's like Hebrews 2.10. So when you quit, I, I think we need to get our mind off our mistakes and our hang-ups and, and everything that's mess, that we think is a mess up and start getting our eyes on the Lord and seeing Him like I'm trying to show you today. Some of you say, well, I've already used all my get-out-of-jail free cards. How many things you've already used all your get-out-of-jail-free cards? There's plenty more where those came from. Jesus is in control. You know, the problem is we don't understand the will of God. Because the will of God, the Bible says this, the Lord is not slow to do what He's promised. Like we're like, oh, He's slow. He's never moving on my behalf. No, the Lord is not slow to do what He's promised. As some think... Instead, he is patient with you because he doesn't want, this is 2 Peter 3, 9 on the screen, he does not want anyone to be destroyed. Did you all hear that? He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everybody to turn from their sins and be saved. Does everybody turn from their sins and be saved? Is it God's will that everybody go to heaven? Does everybody go to heaven? Is it God's will to set everybody free? Does everybody get set free? Is it God's way to heal all of your hurts and your pains? Is that His will? Does everybody have that happen to them? You know, when, 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 when you make out your last will in Testament, you know, some, when we make our will, our last will in Testament, that's where you're just saying, hey, it's my desire that my money, my assets, what I've worked my whole life for, I want to bless these people so they can have that and carry on with that. That's my last will and testament. But does that happen no matter what? Mm -mm. That's my desire. That's, that's our last will and testament. But guys, Jesus' desire is not to destroy you. It's not to hurt you. It's not to tear you down. It's not to make you pay for your mistakes. It's to save us. It's to help us. Jesus, I want you to understand that when you see this story, that, that, that Jesus wants this good for you. Somebody say amen. Amen. You know, um, I had one more thing I wanted to say. That, uh, okay, I, this thought hit me as I was thinking about this story. When it comes to the willingness of God, it's really not God, are you willing? It's more, Brian, are you willing and ready? That, that's something I felt the Holy Spirit said, be sure and say that. It's not so much, God, are you willing to do something great in my life? For me not to go down this pathway of destruction. For me to turn my life away. For, for me to not be destroyed and to be saved. Is that your will? Are you willing for that? He's like, yeah. Here's the deal. Are you willing? Are you willing to take... The Bible says this. Here's something that God will not do. Is He is a gentleman and, and, and He will not force you to love Him. He won't, sort, he won't force you to give something up. How many know that you're doing stuff that's hurting yourself? How many of some of us, if we said that somebody takes and cuts their arm with a knife, we'd be like, oh, don't do that. But how many of us have things in our life that we're just like cutting ourselves with a knife? We're doing self, what do you call that? Self mutilation. We're cutting ourselves all up. 
how many of us are doing that in a spiritual way? We're sitting here cutting ourselves up. And Jesus is like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. There's so many of us, we know. We know. And sometimes we know, but we still want this other. We, we know, but we're still controlled by this other. We know God has this for us, but we still feel like we're enslaved to this other. Whether it's you want it, whether you're slave to it, whether you're controlled by it, whatever it is. It's not so much is, is God willing, is it's are you willing to believe him? Are you willing to give up, to, as the singer said, Jesus take the will? Are you willing for Jesus to take the will? Are you willing for that life controlling issue? Are you willing to say, Lord, you are my deliverer from that? Because scripture is so clear. Scripture is so clear on that. It says, draw nigh. The word says, draw nigh to me. God's saying, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. If you take one step, man, he'll take 50. If you just give him something. But I'll tell you something. He'll never push your door down or make you. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He put the stars in the sky. He, he created man from dust. He breathed the breath of life. Everything that we experience, he brought out of nothingness. But there's only one thing that an almighty God cannot do. And that is go against your will. If he could go against your will, every one of you would be saved. Every one of you would be freed. You know, some of you are being controlled and God can free you. You, you just got to believe he can and give him that opportunity to do it. You know, even the simple things as, even the simple things as love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, virtue, purity, self-control, all that stuff, I used to try to create that fruit myself. I'm not loving. I'm not joyful all the time. I'm not strength controlled by the Holy Spirit. I'm not pure. But it's just been in the last few months that I've gotten a hold of that scripture. And this came to me. It says, it says the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces is... Love in all of its varied expressions. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Gentleness of heart strengthened by the Spirit of God. Even self-control, if you read that in the Greek, you're not even supposed to do self-control. No. People, oh, i got to get some self-control. No, you don't. You can't control self. If you read that in the Greek, it says gentleness of the spirit, gentleness of heart controlled by the strength of the spirit. You can't even have strength of the spirit. But guy, what are you saying? If we'll lean into God and know that he's willing, the happiness that's been elusive to you, the purpose in life that you've not been able to find, the joy that you have to do 
you have to be doing something. But if you're ever alone or quiet, you don't have no peace, you're anxious, and you have no joy. When you come to him, he is so willing to produce these things in you. If you can just believe him to do it, he'll do it. I've taken that scripture. What I just quoted was Galatians 5, like 22, but read it in the Passion Translation. Read it in the Passion Translation. I love it when I said the fruit that the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, number one, he was compassionate. Number two, he was willing. And here's the third thing. Third thing is Jesus had the power to do what he said he would do. Think about that. Jesus had the power. Immediately, it wasn't a week or a month, it was immediately. There's nothing too hard for him to do. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. There's nothing too hard for you. There is nothing hard for you There's not only nothing too hard for you, but there's nothing hard for you. It's not too hard, and it's not hard for him. He's a compassionate, he's willing, and I believe that he has the power to do what he says he would do. How many believe he has the power to do what he says he'd do? That's your first step. You you know, the the first church that Carmen and I pastored, we was like, I thought I was going to be a a veterinarian and and stuff. but I ended up being a pastor somehow. That's the truth. I, I, I didn't mean to be a pastor. But, but my, my second church, my second church was called Full Gospel Tabernacle. By golly. Full Gospel. What are you, what are you the pastor of? Full Gospel Tabernacle. What the heck's a tabernacle? But one thing I do know is it was Full Gospel. Full Gospel. And I felt God saying, listen to me today. I felt God saying, He wants every believer in this church to start living the full gospel, to start producing the full life, to start living in the full abundant life that He gives us. Guys, there is a fullness of life that comes through living for Jesus, living the full gospel. The Bible says this in Romans 15, 19. It says, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, so that in Jerusalem all the way to Elysria come, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And then this next one says this in 1 Corinthians 2, 4. It says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Are you all with me today? Preaching. If I had to choose wise and persuasive words and eloquency of speech or a demonstration of the power of God, I'll take a demonstration of the power of God every time. I would rather be dumb as a post and full of the power of God. I still believe that hands can be laid on the sick and they do recover. I still believe that you can have the hardest addiction that you've tried everything to get free of. There were some things in my life that I was addicted to substance-wise. And when I was 18 years old and I came to Christ, there were a few things that I did in habit and repetition and I could not stop 
from doing. The minute I gave my life to Christ, the power of God hit me and I'm not touched some drugs and different things ever again. Power of God. Power of God. Things that have wounded me or hurt me that you, you, you try to get over and you try to talk to people and you try to get counseling. A few seconds in the peace of the God, He can just take that stuff. I don't ever want to get to a place. The Bible says in the end times that a lot of churches are going to have a form of religion or godliness, but they're not going to have any power in the house to change lives. Is there anybody in here that has experienced the power of God that your life is changed? If so, put your hands up. I want you to look around. The power of God has changed my life. Now take those same hands and give thanks to God that that has happened. So, as the worship team is coming, we've learned three things about discovering God. First of all, we learn He's very compassionate and He cares about hurting people and He's in our skin. Second thing is we learn about the willingness of God. How many believe He's willing? He's willing. My question is, are you willing? Are you willing to come to Jesus? Are you willing to give it all to Him? And then the third thing is He has the power to do what He said He would do. So those are things, guys, those are things that we learn about God through the life of Jesus Christ because Jesus is a replica of God. So we're discovering God by seeing Jesus. I want to close with this. What can we learn about the leper? What can we learn from the leper today? Everybody think of that story. What do you think the answer is? What can we learn from the leper today? Here's what I want to learn from the leper today. Don't tell anybody. Shh. Don't tell anybody what I've done. Don't tell anybody. Because if you tell people, I'm not even going to be able to come to town because I'm going to be the rock star and I'm going to have to live out in the Boontulis up on a mountain and eat locusts. Don't tell anybody. That's all. It is, guys, I challenge you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and look how many times he said, don't tell anybody but they couldn't help it. How many said when Jesus really got a hold of me? That'd be me. When Jesus got a hold of me, I had to tell somebody. How many said I had to tell somebody? It was like a fire shut up in my bones. And you know what? I feel led of the Holy Spirit to say this, but even, if the, even in the last two weeks, the Holy Spirit's getting ready to speak to a couple of individuals without me saying your name today. But even in the last couple of weeks, I know some people that are really turning their hearts and their minds and their lives over to God. Okay? I know that. In fact, last week we even had some more... We, I, to my knowledge, we've had like nine people come to Christ in like the last three weeks. Let's give the Lord a praise for that, okay? But here's what I want. Here's what, here's what I believe. I believe that there's been a couple of people that's really getting serious about the Lord in the last few weeks. When I pray for you, 
God is telling me that there's a whole bunch of people that's going to come to Christ because you did. When I was a senior in high school, it took me about a year to get right with God. I'd get right with God and then they'd say, they'd talk me into going to parties or going to another town and getting in some fights or whatever. Boom, I'd be right back to doing that. But I was kind of back and forth for like a year. But listen to this. When I lived for the Lord, about 30 people would live for the Lord. There would be zero in the Bible. Well, there would be about five or six in the Bible story, in the Bible study. And I don't mean this to brag. I'm just saying that God put an influence on my life. When I wasn't living for the Lord, there's like five people in the Bible study on Friday and Saturday night to keep us off the streets. But when I was living for the Lord, there would be like 30 to 50 and sometimes up to 70 in the Bible study because of the influence. God has put influence on some of you. The Lord even told me how Abraham was a patriarch to a nation, that some of you are patriarchs to families and communities, like the whole thing coming to the Lord, that you carry that kind of influence. And so something I want to learn from the leper today is I want every one of us to start telling our story. What's my story? This is what my life was like before I found Christ. I went to a place, heard a message, received Christ, and this is what my life is like now. That's what your story is. I haven't decided if I'm going to preach this next week or not. But there was a demonic man that lived in the tombs and cut himself and they couldn't even keep him. If he went to town, they tried to tie him up. It's in the Bible. But when he went to Jesus, this guy come and fell at his feet and Jesus put him in his right mind. This guy begged Jesus, can I go with you and go to the next town with you? And Jesus said, no, you stay here and tell your story. He actually did say tell your story on this one. You stay here and tell everybody what's happened to you. This same city, listen to this, listen to this. This same city, when they saw this demonic man healed, they were like, Jesus, you're frightening us. Get out of here. Get in your boat and leave our city. They, they chased Jesus away. How many know the story? They chased him away. Said, get out of our city. You're scaring us with this stuff. Jesus was gone like three months or something. I don't know what. But this person that he left, think about this. Jesus was told to get out of here. Go away. I don't want to hear your message. I don't want to be at your service. Go away, Jesus. Think about this. The guy that Jesus left, the Bible says he went to Decapolis which was either seven or 10 cities to where Jesus came back a few months later. And it says that all these cities came running to Jesus and hundreds of people came to Christ. These same people were saying, get away, Jesus. I don't want anything to do to Jesus. Some of you have an influence that Jesus may not even have with your friends. He's out there, but you're right here. What Jesus couldn't do, He's leaving you to do.
People always want me to go save your friends and me to go tell about the Bible to them. I'm hearing God say, no, you go do it. Take responsibility for your world. Take responsibility. Your world is different than my world. Take responsibility for your world. You can win your world better than I can. You can, Jesus even said, they're chasing me away, you stay. How many of you, every head bowed and eyes closed, how many of you have someone right now, I want you to lift up your hand, that you have somebody that you would like to bring to Jesus. Lift up your hand. If you've got somebody you know, a friend, a family member, somebody that you want to tell your story, you want to bring them to Jesus. Man, you're, you're, you're the key to this thing. I felt like the Lord said, today we're having our business meeting. I was like, Lord, what do you want to tell Church on the Rock? One thing he told me is we, 2021 is going to be a harvest. I want you to open your eyes and look around at the empty chairs. We're still in COVID. Last week we had like 240 in the house. There's still a few more listening online that's actually in the house. But guys, when this COVID junk gets done, we're going to have to have more than one service because COTR has grown. Guys, we need to fill. The harvest is ready. With every head bowed and eyes closed, with every head bowed and eyes closed, who needs to have a come to Jesus moment today? If you're here right now and God's been drawing you and he's been saying, come to me, come to me just like you are. I don't care what you've done, where you've been. I don't care if you think you're unclean or not. Just come and kneel at my feet. How many need Jesus today? Is there anybody watching online? Anybody watching online? Anybody in the house? Could you raise up your hand? Nobody's looking around and say, pray for me, Brian. I want Jesus in my heart. Lift up your hand today. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Who else says, I need Jesus today? Just lift up your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Man, hands are going up, and there's like goosebumps going from the bottom of my toes clear to the top of my head. People are coming, wanting Christ today. Everybody that raised your hand, we have a saying around here, nobody prays alone. If you raised your hand on that camera or you raised your hand everybody pray this together if you raised your hand pray this out loud we're all doing it say lord jesus i come to you today i come to you unclean i come to you as a sinner i come to you the clean and i say will you make me clean will you forgive me of my sins Will you come into my heart today? Because I not only need you, I want you. I want you. Say it again, I want you. Say it again, I want you. Say it again, I want you to be a part of my life. Now say this, Jesus, I believe that you died and that you rose from the dead. And I believe today that I've died to my old life and I'm raising up just like you did to a new life. Oh, now say thank you, Lord, for my new life. Say it again. Say thank you for my new life.
Thank you for my new life. Right now, you that raised your hands, just as Adam, just as God breathed the breath of life, and the Bible says Adam became a living soul, right now the Holy Spirit breathed life into you. If you're watching on the TV, if you raised your hand today, right now God is breathing life in you. There is a life force of God coming in you. His Spirit is coming in you right now. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are brand new. His Spirit is breathed into you right now. In fact, if you want to, just breathe it in. Breathe it in. And breathe out the old. And say, I'm new today. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord hands. I would say a dozen people came to Christ today between on lounge. Come on, give the Lord a hand today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pastor Josh, if you want to come up and um, give the dismissal. Hey, Josh, while Josh is coming, if you prayed that prayer, we felt like people were going to do that today. So if you prayed that prayer, you can take your phone app and go on and the app and go to the connect card and and just put i want pastor brian to know i prayed that prayer and send that i'll get to rejoice with you also right outside the church right outside here there's a blue bag you don't even have to tell them what you're doing just grab that blue bag if you want and that's for you that just prayed that prayer there's some stuff in there that'll help you